the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Philanthropy SA. This is a podcast about and for the philanthropic community in San Antonio and South Texas. We introduce organizations and people who are making an impact in the community. Beneficent Financial is proud to sponsor this podcast, and it is our hope that you enjoy this conversation about the impact we can have. The goal is to edify and inspire. Now, please join our host, Dan Redman. Thanks for joining us today on Philanthropy SA. I'm your host, Dan Redman, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Chris Martin, the president and CEO of United Way of San Antonio. Thanks for being here, Chris. Well, thank you for having me, Dan. Happy to be here and happy to share a little bit about our organization. Well, there's well, unfortunately, we're time constrained, so you know you won't be able to share everything there is to share about United Way. But I know you'll hit the high points. Before we get into the United Way, and we want to hear all about that, what is it that caused you to get involved in philanthropy? What caused you to decide this is where I want to spend my life? You know, when I um, when I when I made the decision that one of the things that I wanted to do was make a difference for people. And for communities, I, I was very fortunate to have an opportunity to be a part of a, a national management training program that back then, which was called United Way of America, um, had they, they brought in one class every year. And I happened to be fortunate to be one of seven people that they brought in and uh, had two different experiences. I had an experience on the community investment side, so working with the, the service delivery partners and then had a second experience that was the annual campaign and fundraising. And um, it was the fundraising and telling the story and, and engaging people in community to make a difference is what really intrigued me. And um, so I started down that path and uh, along the way um, had the opportunity to not only be a fundraiser but also to do a lot of the community investment work and learn there because I think it – better positioned me for where I'm at today, but better positioned me to tell the story about the impact that we have in, in the communities that I've been very fortunate to be a part of. That's awesome. We're really glad you're here. So, so you've been with United Way and other parts of the country and that type of thing. What brought you to San Antonio? The role. Um, the role at, uh, at a very successful and strong United Way and the opportunity to make a difference in a community that um, – you know, the, the United Way of San Antonio and Barrett County is one of the stronger United Ways in the country, um, and, and, and actually we're gaining steam. And um, so it was a real opportunity for me to, to, you know, come to an organization that was in the midst of change and gave me the opportunity to help drive that change with a great team of people that I work with and a great team of volunteers and board leaders. Um, that that was really what attracted me, and, and quite frankly, when I – when I my very first visit to San Antonio, um, other than previously at a conference, mm-hmm. uh, but my very first visit uh, on this adventure really sold me on the community and the people in this community. That's awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of people's first exposure to San Antonio either comes from a conference 
or because they're in the military and they're here for training, right? Those are the two ways that people get to San Antonio, it seems like. Um, so as somebody who's been in a lot of communities and, and seen this done different places and, and that type of thing, what would you say is different or unique about San Antonio relative to, you know, other places that you've been? Yeah, uh, a number of things. I mean, certainly culture is huge. Um, what an incredible culture we have here in San Antonio. Um, and when I when I speak to culture, I not only uh, – it also includes the, the culture of caring. Um, you know, the – uh, what I would tell you is there are not a lot of large cities that have as many caring people in them. I mean, I think there are caring people everywhere, right? Sure. But the fact that this community is so cohesive and so committed to to trying to make life better for everybody that lives here um, was is definitely something that attracted me, and and one of the things that makes this community unique and. You know, I would also tell you the the collaborative nature of the nonprofit community and the business community here is amazing. And um, it's something that I hope we never lose because if we truly want to have impact and create change, we can't afford to lose that. When when people become apathetic, um, we won't make a difference. Sure. And, I mean, I've found just over the course of my career that, you know, philanthropy is a partnership. You know, it's you, you need the people – who are obviously delivering the services and doing things on the ground, but you need that infrastructure around them. And then you need, you know, that support. So, um, you know, back when I was in the military, we used to say that uh, amateurs talk strategy and professionals talk logistics. And so it's kind of that way in the nonprofit world where, you know, it's, it's great to have a notion of, Hey, this is what we want to do and who we want to impact and how we want to get it done. But until you've actually got people that are doing that and how to resource that and, you know, all of that, that there's just a lot of moving parts here. So when I think of the United Way, I'm thinking about my personal experience, which is, you know, the classic United Way campaign, right? I used to work for a big company and they had, hey, we're having our United Way campaign and everybody came in and, you know, we filled out a thing and the company matched some of what we did and when we got to pick agencies that we were going to support and all that kind of stuff. And it was great. And it was really neat. But the United Way is a lot more than that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, certainly United Way over the years, over its 100-plus year history uh, nationally and now globally, I should say, um, o- over its history really became known as a fundraiser, I think, early on. That was really – that was how it was created. It was a group of people that wanted to make a difference in, in their community and they came together and said, how can we be more efficient about this? And that's how United Way came about. But United Way today is so much more. Um, certainly fundraising and is, a, is an important part of our organization. It's what fuels our work. It's how we are able to invest in the important work that we're doing in San Antonio and every other community for that matter. Um, but I would also, you know, for me, our, our superpower is, if you ask me, our superpower is that of convener. Um, it, is, it is the ability to bring organizations and people and corporations and donors together for common goals um, that are about changing this community for good and, and changing this community in a positive manner for generations of the future. And, and that's, that's the real superpower of United Way. And, you know, certainly we're delivering services through our United Way 211 
uh, helpline, which is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year uh, uh, helpline that if anybody needs help, they certainly could call dial 211, just like 911 or 311. It's 211, and they'll be connected to a trained professional that um, that will help point them in the right direction as they if they need services. So there is so much more to our organization and you know, I think about our Mission United program uh, that, that is working with the military and military families and veterans to, you know, find ways to meet needs that they have. Um, so there's so much more than just a, being a fundraiser. It's really – it truly is about how do we think holistic, holistically about delivering community-level solutions that, that, that positively impact San Antonio and impact families. Sure. And so when you're looking at partners – to do this, like agencies to deliver services and that type of thing. What are the types of things that you're looking for and what is required, I guess, so that, you know, they are part of the United Way family in that respect? Uh, Well, there are a number of things. And, uh, you know, that has changed over the years. And uh, I will tell you that our our board of directors um, about seven, eight years ago really made a strategic decision to look at data that was uh, about our community and really I think what they recognized was that we could not be all things to all people and be effective in creating change. So um, took a real hard look at data on our community and said what were the the big issues that, that we face as a community and that individuals in our community face every day that we can have an impact and, and invest in to create change and bring others together to invest in to create change. So, um, you know, we so so they came up with a, a list of uh, that we actually do work in four impact councils. The first is Ready Children, which is focused on you know our youngest children, making sure that they are off to the quality start that they need, that they have access to quality preschool early learning experiences, making sure that we're addressing the prenatal care needs of. of, of uh, mothers in our community, and certainly thinking about how we find ways to uh, reduce the the number of cases of child abuse in our community. Um, that's the Ready Children Impact Council, and then our Successful Students Impact Council is about providing support for students throughout their school years. and And the real goal there is making sure that when they graduate from high school, they're ready for college, career, and life, and that they have the foundation to be successful. And a real focus there on uh, third grade reading, uh, eighth grade math, and and certainly um, thinking about the 35,000-plus opportunity youth in our community, and that's the 16 to 24-year-olds that, that don't go to school, don't go to work, um, and, and, and they're important for our future. If we don't find a way to engage them and to help them develop the skills that they need, um, we will not thrive economically as a community without that population. Uh, they're our future. They're our future workforce. And and then lastly, our, our, I should say the third impact council is our Strong Individuals and Families Impact Council, and that has a real focus on family violence and workforce development. So uh, how, do we, how do we bring skills and position people in our community to, to have the best opportunities that they can to become self-sufficient and financially stable and on solid footing for themselves and their families? And and, and our last impact council is our safety net, and that is the really making sure that uh, we're working to address 
families that live in crisis in our community as it relates to housing instability and food insecurity. You know, at the, at the end of the day, I always tell people those first three impact councils are about our future and, uh, and the safety net impact council is about the people that live in crisis today. And if, if we think that they're going to be successful in those other areas about thinking about their future, um, that's a really difficult ask of them when they are living in crisis, when they're worried about whether or not they have a roof over their head, whether or not they have a meal to feed their child tonight. Got to stabilize that before we think about what long-term success looks like. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had past conversations on the podcast with other guests about the notion of upstream, you know, uh, working upstream to prevent. So, you know, maybe if those first three councils are more and more effective over time, the last one will become less necessary. Um, and I'm sure that's the goal and objective. But there's always, you know, unfortunately, there's always stuff that falls through the cracks or what have you and, and that type of thing. So, um, no, I'm, that's, a, that's a theme I've been hearing over and over again, which is the notion that, you know, if we can do that. And as I hear you describe those, uh, those various groups or those uh, – I'm sorry, the word that you used was uh, – the the partner service providers the partners yeah so and 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 those oh. councils oh the impact council impact yes. council that yeah. was it so the various councils when you look at that you're bringing like relevant agencies within those areas in to those councils for their feedback and to be able to partner with them Is yes that correct? yeah so we we um, we have a, a an open request for proposal. Uh, process that we go through, and we went through that uh, went through that five years ago, and we're actually in the midst of preparing for our next open request for proposal process. And um, you know, basically, it is uh, an organization or a provider has to number one align to the work we're trying to accomplish. So you know, we have we have community level indicators that we're trying to to address, and they've got to align to that. They've got to got to align to the strategies that we outline that that we've outlined, and and I should I should actually I should start by saying they're a part of that process. They help us think through strategically what we need to to accomplish and how we can accomplish that because they're the ones that are doing that work day to day, and so we're bringing them together as well as community volunteers and donors and. Um, even even organizations that don't necessarily receive funding from us have been a part of developing that strategy. So an important part there. So they align to the strategy and certainly um, need to agree to what uh, what level metrics um, they're they're able to deliver on and um, and that's not just the outcomes. It is you know you're 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 providing a service, but is that individual or is that family or that child? better off as a result of it. So at the end of the day, success is making sure that they're better off. It's not just that they've walked through the door, right? Um, and, and when they're better off, we're better off. And, and, and so certainly alignment on those, those measures is critical as well. And, 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 and obviously financial stability for the organization is important. Sure. Uh, we need to make sure that they're going to be lasting and, and continue to be able to deliver uh, when we make an investment in them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more from Chris about the United Way and what's going on there. But we're going to pause real quick for a word from our sponsor.
Many of you out there care deeply about wanting to make an impact on the world around you. You want to help take care of the people and organizations that are important to you. We understand that because we feel the same way. Beneficent Financial wants to help you. Our mission is to help people like you with professional, individualized financial advice achieve their objectives. Whether your financial legacy will stay within your family or benefit the community at large, we are able to help. Call Beneficent Financial today at 210-999-5511. In addition to traditional wealth management, we offer philanthropic services such as direct donations of required minimum distributions, donor-advised funds, and foundations. Call 210-999-5511 or go online to beneficentfinancial.net. Let us help you do well so you can do good. Securities offered through Momentum Independent Network, member SIPC slash FINRA. Okay, welcome back. This is Dan Refman, and I'm joined by Chris Martin today, who's the president and CEO of United Way of San Antonio and Bear County. And uh, we've been talking about a number of things today, um, but I wanted to shift the conversation a little bit to, you know, how is the United Way adapting to the changing landscape within philanthropy? Because I've certainly seen a big change between pre-COVID philanthropy and post-COVID philanthropy. And certainly some of those were changes that were on the way already, but they may have just gotten accelerated by COVID. And then, of course, unfortunately, some agencies just didn't make it, you know, through that. I mean, unfortunate to say, uh, and that type of thing. But what, what are, where do you see the way that United Way is adapting? You've kind of addressed it a little bit earlier, but, you know, maybe – Put on your 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 future hat and look at you know what you anticipate happening over the next few years that will look different than today. You know, uh, um, we have certainly seen a shift in uh, in in the philanthropic landscape. There's no doubt about that. Um, what I will what I will tell you is that we have really um, we've worked hard to clearly demonstrate the value that we bring to the table for our donors, so that they know. Um, you know, yes, it's a gift, but it's also an investment. And when people make an investment, they expect a return on that investment. So we are working very hard to demonstrate that we are clearly returning what they desire um, when they when they make that decision to support United Way. And and I would also tell you, um, in that same respect, it, we are thinking very differently about the way we inform our donors, the way we engage our donors, and. Um, engage them in the work and share about the work. Um, people are much more – what I would tell you is they are much more active in their philanthropy today than they were in the past probably. Um, well, I guess active in the past might have been I, – I, I'm, I'm here. I heard the story very quickly and I made a gift. But now it is not only do I want to hear the story and when I make that gift, I want to hear the story and the result of it after I've made that gift and, and made that investment. So um, certainly working to inform our donor base and to engage them and, and you know, really um, uh, better, understand, better understanding what their passions are. Mm-hmm. What, are. What are the issues that they are passionate about so that we can, so that we can tell them about that issue and, and what we face as a community and the impact that we're having yep. uh, about that in, that in that issue area? Absolutely. And uh, I've had conversations with development officers 
or develop, you know, folks in the development or advancement, you know, they change the word all the time on me. Um, but, you know, that type of thing. You have one of the best in the business with you. And what I don't know is, you know, that, I mean, when, when I talk to people who are trying to, to raise funds and that type of thing, it's just such a high touch, you know, uh, activity and, in that, and that you know, too often I see people seem to be measuring things by like, okay, well, we sent out X number of appeals, or we did whatever, and it's really tends to boil down to how many people have you had a conversation with today, um, and that type of thing, and that's that's something that I, that I've I'm, I'm on my soapbox now about, <laughs> about development and that type of thing. Um, so, speaking of development and donors, what are kind of some of the long term trends that you see? Related to donors, you kind of touched on it in terms of the fact that they don't want to just see – they don't just want to hear a story and write a check and then go away. They want to be involved in that process on an ongoing basis. Have you seen uh, other things that have changed or do, are you anticipating changes in terms of the way donors either identify what they want to support or that type of thing? Uh, I w- there, there have definitely been changes. Uh, what I would tell you is we've got a uh, – we- We've got a couple of groups that um, that are that are I guess I would call membership groups, and it is our emerging leaders uh, group, which is really focused on those that are under the age of forty five, and and bringing them together, and oftentimes providing professional development opportunities for them, also finding ways to provide volunteer opportunities for them, and um, in a way that they can engage in the work, engage in um, being you know strengthening themselves. Um, while they're strengthening community. So we're really trying, as I think about those kinds of things, that's one of the ways we try to engage. And we have our Women United group, which is um, women that contribute uh, to our United Way more than $500. And, and they've, they've adopted a signature cause, and that is child care scholarships. And um, it, it is, you know, it, it is, a, it is a, an initiative that is focused on providing scholarships for children young children to be in quality early learning settings while their parents are finishing college or f- finishing a certificate program so that they can get the skills that they need to be successful long term. So it's really about having dialogue with people about where they're at, what's important to them, how do we bring that to the table for them. Um, and, and so those are just two examples. Uh, I, I will tell you one of the things that we just did um, this last weekend actually um, we had a family volunteer event for our leadership donors, and um, for the first, we did that for the first time, and we had great feedback, great attendance, um, and, and in fact, we had families that said we want more. They, it was an opportunity for them um, to to show their children what they do for community, but also to show their children that it's important to be in community, and they did it together. And, and, and that's something that, you know, with, with today's busy world, so many of us lose time with our families, right, because we're, we're so busy at work. And so um, the last thing you want is, oh, I, a volunteer opportunity on Saturday and, uh, you know, that's my family time. Well, it was an opportunity to bring their family and people did that and told us they want more of it. Oh, no, that's awesome. And, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about this, I'm thinking we spoke earlier about – upstream as it relates to providing services for folks, but you're actually going upstream on the donor cycle there 
from the perspective of taking those young professionals and kind of cultivating them, but then even going to that next generation and saying, see, this is what that looks like. So that's, 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 that's upstream squared, folks. There's probably a hashtag there. I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> um, so I've got a similar question about the agencies. What do you see, you know, down the road for the agencies and that type of thing? And, um, you know, do you anticipate seeing, you know, like fewer, more concentrated agencies? You know, the, the one thing that we know is I, I've heard this number so many times I'm going to believe it now is that Bear County has over 10,000 nonprofits within Bear County. Uh, somebody told me that we're on a per capita basis one of the most heavily nonprofit. You know, there's more nonprofit agencies, not per person, but fewer people per agency. I guess is the better way to phrase it than than most communities. And so, do, is that a trend you see continuing? Is that something that you see going different? You know, what 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 do you kind of see in there, and what does the United Way? Uh, recommend or, you know, if if, I could, if you could wave a magic wand, what would happen with regards to that? You know, uh, my thoughts on that would be if I could wave a magic wand, all the nonprofits in this community would be working together toward common goals. And, and, and uh, you know, when all is said and done, if we're doing that, we accomplish so much more in our community. And I, I go back to, I mentioned our superpower being convener, and that's exactly why you know when we are when we are all together working towards common goals we're better off where do we end up in terms of the number of nonprofits i don't know that i can answer that question um you've got nonprofits well and you mentioned it earlier on the back end of covid some didn't survive right and some continue to struggle and and are challenged and and may not survive um so, so the so the question I think we need to ask ourselves when, when we have organizations that are struggling financially and 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 their viability is in question, um, how do we make sure that the the strengths that they do have, are brought to another organization, to continue to provide uh, based on those strengths and 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 not only to provide services but to provide learnings for other organizations, so. Um, you know, working in a coordinated manner, working towards common goals, working on an agenda um, that we all share is going to be critical. And I also think that that may determine who does survive, right? And, um, you know, if you – know, certainly there are issues throughout our community that, that need, um, need people to address them, need organizations to address them. Um, you know, the question is, is are they the most serious issues that we face as a community? And, um, it, you know, if it's a critical issue, we need to find a way to, to address it. And, and there are other issues that might have to be on the back burner um, that, that don't necessarily play into our long-term success and long-term strength. Sure. And it's, you know, that's – most people who get involved in these types of agencies or start an agency or – you know, do the it's it's usually something very specific that happens to them in their life or a loved one, and that kind of you know then then you know motivates them to say, okay, we got to do something about this and and all that. So um, you know, I I just want to encourage uh, folks that are listening to make sure you're aware of the organizations that do these things and see if there's a way to come alongside them. Um, you know, before there's a need to spin up a whole new agency. Um, but Chris, to your point, you know, 
there's a lot of strengths from a lot of people in a lot of different places in this community. And that's the beauty of it is that we can bring those together. And I think organizations like the United Way um, that are, you know, cross-agency entities that, you know, that can do that and be that convener. Um, I like that. That's that's good stuff. So how does somebody who wants to get involved with the United Way at some level, and there might be different ways for different folks, how do they do that? Well, for, first and foremost, I would say um, certainly visit our, our website at um, www.uwsatx.org. Um, there's, there are opportunities to give there. There are opportunities, certainly opportunities to learn about our work and, and what we are investing in and the difference that we're, um, that, that we're having in this community and, and also to learn a little bit about why certain things are issues in our community. There's a data portal there that people can see. Um, what those issues are and, and the magnitude of them that we face. And then also there's, uh, there's a place on the, on the website to, to be able to volunteer and look at volunteer opportunities if, if they you know, choose that, that, to get engaged in that manner. You know, uh, bottom line is um, the more we can do as a community um, and as individuals in this community and come together collectively, the better off we will be. And we just uh, – we want to be one of the ways that people – um, decide to, to make a difference in, in San Antonio. And that's, that's really what we're trying to strive for. And, but the website is, uh, you know, has a huge amount of information on it. And, uh, there, there's, op- there are opportunities to engage through email, opportunities to engage, you know, with the, through, by, by calling and, and, and also people can call 211 as well if, uh, if they have a, an interest in, uh, in engaging in, with, with others as well. Very good. So what else do you want to talk about with us, Chris, that we didn't talk about, either United Way or, you know, anything else that's – One of the um, one of the issues that we're working really hard to, to address and have studied, uh, done an, a, a great amount of study on is uh, the asset limited income constrained employed. It's the ALICE population. There have been some – our articles and United Way did a study, and there are a number of United Ways across the country that do this. And but it was done throughout Texas, and it and it and it showed that forty-eight um, percent of our population and Alice is Alice actually is based on what it, what the cost of living in San Antonio is, the real-time costs for rent, for food, sure. for transportation, healthcare, all of those, and and it showed that we had forty-eight percent of our population that don't earn enough money to to make ends meet and they cannot meet their basic needs. And um, that is something that as a community we we must address um, if we are going to be stronger. And, and so we're, uh, as we think about those areas that I mentioned before, um, we are looking at it through the lens of those that, that they may be working two jobs and they just, you know, they don't have the opportunity to make ends meet because uh, of the constraints that they have. And oftentimes it's an education constraint. Oftentimes it may be a skill set issue. So how we make sure that people have, you know, how, how do we as a community ensure that people have uh, the education that they need? How do we ensure that they have the skill set that they need to be successful and to be financially stable? So um, that Alice population, in fact, while our most recent study showed that it declined. The number of people in our community declined in um, 2022. Uh, and based on 2021 data, what I would tell you is um, 
it went from 52 to 48, and I, I would not be comfortable with that because I think what you see is there were programs that were in place to help provide support for people that were laid off because of the pandemic that um, on the back end, um, the number came out a little bit better. And, you know, my hope is that it will continue to get better, but I'm not quite sure that we'll see that same, um, same you know, trend sure. in the next study. And do you know, are there, where are we at relative to nationally that percentage? Is that something that, you know? You know, we're, we're not at, we're not at the, at the bottom. Um, we are certainly challenged and, and, and probably in the lower 10th percentile is what I would tell you. I don't know the exact number, okay. but so if I had to put a number on it, I would say the lower 10th percentile. Understood. So this is one of the bigger issues that San Antonio faces that's kind of unique to San Antonio. Absolutely. Well, I think when I think about our organization in this community and, and, and what, we are, what we are doing, this is about the, the future strength of San Antonio. And um, if people walk away with nothing else but understanding that this this is about investing in our future, investing in the the people uh, and and what their future looks like, um, we will be far better off than we were when we started. Very good, good words to end on. Chris, thank you so much for participating today. Really enjoyed having you here. Uh, This is Dan Rebman for Philanthropy SA, reminding everybody to go out and do well so you can do good. Thank you for joining us at Philanthropy SA. We hope you found something to inspire you during today's conversation. If you know organizations and people who are making an impact in the community, we would love to hear about it. Until next time, do well so you can do good. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.